All right. Well, welcome to episode five of Digging Deeper. I can't believe we're already there. It's going quick. I know. I remember watching my first one actually behind the camera. Nobody ever knows that, but there's usually like two or three people ben is that are actually watching watching, watching this. And and whenever like jokes happen up here, and they and you see somebody like look above the camera um, for all those listening not watching you'll have no idea what i'm talking about but if you're looking above the camera it's usually because i'm like looking at somebody laughing behind the camera right now but it's true one time he actually tried to sneak out of the room in the middle of recording and that's not a joke that actually happened that did actually happen yes. it was um it was uh it was fun conversation but i don't know i was just getting a little he just it was, it was stale that that time yeah it really killed our confidence we didn't know what was going on yeah, yeah. well robert i'm actually really excited to do this today because Believe it or not, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. This what? is podcast debut for, for Ben Kafer. Ben Kafer's yeah. podcast debut, everyone. Yeah, We're so, excited. This is a monumentous moment. So if I'm shaking a little bit, it's not because of coffee this morning. It's because this is my first ever, ever time hosting this. Okay. But who better to do this with than Robert Pedroza, who brought us an amazing message this past weekend. I was... Uh, Really, really encouraged by it, honestly. And we were cool. talking through Acts 6. And so just to summarize that real quick, um, church is growing, but there are needs that are needing to be met that are not. Uh -huh. And so the 12 actually appoint um, seven men that are filled with the Holy Spirit, with uh, full of faith, and they are going to be doing some, they're going to be taking over some of these needs. And there's a lot of intricacies within that passage. Um enough so that you were able to spend 40 minutes talking about it. And there were still some things that you didn't get to talk yeah. about. And so for digging deeper okay, today, we get to dig deeper. We get to dig deeper. All right. Get your so, shovels, uh, people. Before we get into like any meat of the passage though, you actually started out your sermon talking about how you wanted to play the saxophone, but yes. that it was too big for you or you were too it small was not, for the saxophone. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> the teacher... Yes. who was yes. maybe evil, but maybe not. <laughs> um, she did, decided that I was too small to play the saxophone, which I think is terrible. Mm -hmm. So she made me play the clarinet So instead. you played the clarinet. So my, my band story, um, most people will know me as a guitar player, a piano yeah. player, a singer. I played the trumpet. And I actually played the trumpet for like three years until I got braces. And then I could not hit the high notes anymore. So as a part of the body of band members not believers <laughs> the as the body of this band member i couldn't i couldn't do what was needed of me so they switched me to the euphonium if you've never heard of the euphonium it's uh it's basically a mini tuba in, right essentially yeah if you if you, if you oh, look wait, that's at a UFO. it yeah that's you look it up it, it kind of looks the same <laughs> okay but uh so i played the euphonium and then i was actually able to better serve the need of the the thing but nobody wants to be the euphonium player Everybody wants to be the trumpet player, playing the really high Man. notes. The uh, what's his name, Miles Logan kind of yeah, guy. You gotta do yeah. that. Have yeah. you ever tried again? I haven't. No, it just it messed me up a little bit that I had to go and play euphonium. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear Ben play the trumpet this Sunday coming up. I'm so thrilled for that. Right? Yeah. Okay. He I'll, didn't I'll say build, no. I'll, I did not hear a no. I will build up my embouchure again. <laughs> but all right, let's get into this passage. So. The one thing that I'm sure everybody was thinking, you did call it out, but I'm just, I was even reading through it today again. Yeah. And I was like, this, this feels, it just feels weird, right? The pretentiousness of it. Like this phrase, 
we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like this could be seen in multiple ways. I think it could be seen as pretentiousness. It could also be seen maybe as delegating it to somebody else. Uh What, What do you think of this? Well, my first reaction, I talked about this, was when you first read this, you think, man, it sounds pretentious. It sounds arrogant. Mm-hmm. It almost seems self-important, out of touch, um, mm-hmm. you know, full of whatever you're doing and totally oblivious to what's happening around you. But then as I started to think about it, and not only the context of this story specifically, but then also the story that we see happening all throughout Acts, we literally just heard and read through and talked about how these men were untrained, unlearned, ordinary idiots. They weren't pretentious, arrogant, celebrity type people. Later on, we know that they suffered immensely so that they could be a faithful witness to Jesus. They were not arrogant or puffed up and saying that we we deserve better. We deserve the priorities or anything like that. So when you look in the context, I started to realize maybe it's not them that are pretentious and arrogant. Maybe it is them that understands that they have a part to play in the body of Christ. And yeah, when we hear food program, um, is that the NLT? Is that the translation you're using See, there? Yes, this is NLT. In the NIV, it says to wait on tables, right? Yep. That's where the title wait staff worship came from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, when we hear that, maybe that's something that we've put lower on the pecking order, this hierarchy that mm-hmm. we've invented inside of our imagination. Mm-hmm. But maybe within the body of Christ, being a servant that's willing to do whatever is needed to make sure that you're blessing and taking care of others, maybe that's the greatest thing you can do. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 20. He said, if you want to be great, you must become their servant. You mm-hmm. must actually use the word slave mm-hmm. because it's that extreme. Like that's what you should be. You yeah. should actually be willing to lay down your life. And so it's not pretentious or yeah. arrogant at all. It's actually, yeah. And the yeah. piece that I didn't even think about on Sunday morning, but I started realizing and remembering this even today, as I was thinking about mm-hmm. talking about this with you, is that that's actually what these these 12 that could be seen as pretentious were. They were servants. They were um, making themselves a slave, so to speak, to others. And the fact that these were ordinary men who were called to to follow Jesus, but then, so that's like pre-context, but post-context, we're not there yet. Um, So spoiler alert, these people like, were martyrs. These people Mm -hmm. were people that laid their lives down. And so I don't know. I just, that was, that was really interesting to me. You talked about organizational triangles too, like org charts, pyramids. Yeah. Um, The pyramids. Yeah. And um, something funny uh, I was thinking about this is um, my old boss before coming here believed in that so much that he actually flipped the org triangle. So instead of it top to bottom leadership, bottom to top, that even, like scripture says that we as pastors, as deacons, as elders, leaders of, of the ministry, uh, uh, very much like these 12 are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's right. And so I wonder if these seven aren't being called into lower positions, but the 12 were actually delegating this out to people that could do a much better job with a ministry that they couldn't do themselves. Mm-hmm. And maybe by holding on to it for so long, they were actually holding on to something that was supposed to be something, somebody else's thing. You know, I, I, I just moved across the country to come here. Right. Yeah. And was starting to feel this, this draw out of where I was to come here. 
had I stayed there, I might've been robbing somebody else to be able to do the thing that God was calling them into. Yeah. And I wonder if it's the same, same kind of thing that we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, I think the apostles understand that the church is described in the Bible as a body, right? Mm -hmm. That's a metaphor that's used. And there's a whole bunch of different types of members of that body, just like on your body, right? You have mm -hmm. a shoulder and an arm and mm -hmm. a kneecap and, mm -hmm. you know, and they all work together in congruency and they all matter as mm -hmm. well. I mean, there's places on our body that we actually maybe don't glorify as much, but could you imagine like, for example, I'm just not saying weird, but could you imagine if all of a sudden like your armpit, like what Ooh. you think is kind of gross, yeah. if you didn't have that, how would your arm work? There's a whole bunch of ligaments and things like that that attach to Testing it. Testing it out now. I mean, you think about <laughs> that and you start, you start to realize all these things that we've labeled as unimportant or as less significant, maybe that's a big lie. I actually believe that. That's a big lie that we've bought into, that we're believing that there's these less significant things and these more significant things. I think the apostles knew they had a part to play and it was just as important and no more important than what, he, what they were asking these seven men to play. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, you called me out specifically in, in multiple ways, actually, in this <laughs> sermon. One was uh, not personally at me, but at the ministry that I, that I lead in worship mm. and what worship should look like in a church and yeah. um, how what we are used to doing most Sundays is there's a guitar, there's a band, there's someone leading songs. We're all just trying to sing together. And I actually agree with you. Yeah. People listening right now might've thought I would have been offended that you said that, but I agree with you. I don't think music is the only and best way to worship the Lord. It's why, you know, even last Sunday I, I pulled out scripture and I was like mm -hmm. trying to support the, the song that we we're singing with scriptures that, yeah. that went along with that, that talked about the faithfulness of God. That just happened last Sunday. But sometimes worship is relationship. Worship is is community with others. Absolutely. Worship is um, reading scripture. Worship is just living your life and following rhythms of life that honor honor the Lord. It's not just music. So that's a disclaimer. But you called me out in that. And um, you also called me out with uh, the Billy Graham question. And the Billy Graham question, <laughs> question. Um, yeah, which was in no way a dig at you, mm -mm. just a, a, another disclaimer. It was never a dig at you. And it was never me trying to make a, it was never me trying to celebritize. I don't know if that's a word, no. um, Billy Graham either, but it just kind of got me thinking um, a little bit because I was asking you the question, but I think I was actually asking myself that question. It's a good question and, for all of us and, to ask. And Absolutely. Why do you think that you had the reaction that you had which was initially to kind of like look inwardly. And then why did that convict you later on, I guess? Well, I think that it's easy to elevate personalities, mm -hmm. especially if they've had a lot of prominence or tangible success. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because a lot of success is intangible, especially when you're a servant. Because you're doing things for people, you're serving people, and the very identity of a servant means that you don't get any of the credit. Mm -hmm. It means that you don't get to see a bunch of the production that happens from it. Yeah. You're just serving in your spot, and you're doing whatever it takes, whatever is needed, whatever you're asked of. That's what a really a servant does, but you may not see all of the glory at the other side of it. So when you look at the someone who is who their role is at the very end of that process, they mm -hmm. get to be the one to kind of really bring in the glory. There's, I mean, I think of even like, 
Did you grow up in an agricultural area in Illinois? A little bit, yeah. A little yeah, bit. Yeah. So it didn't was, take long to get to a cornfield. There you go. Yeah. So I, I grew up in an agricultural area in Salinas, Monterey, California, a lot mm-hmm. of lettuce. But you would see there's a team that went out and they plant this that toil the soil and then plant the seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a whole nother group that came out with all their trucks, and they're mm-hmm. the ones that went and harvested everything. Mm-hmm. There's some people, I think, in the body of Christ that are harvesters, and it's easy to look at, oh my goodness, look how much fruit they just brought in. Yeah. Look how many heads of lettuce they just have, or corn. Mm-hmm. My goodness, mm-hmm. look how good they're doing. But it all started because somebody went and started digging at the soil. There was someone that laid down manure. That stuff mm-hmm. stinks, right? Yeah. There was someone who planted seeds and did that kind of yeah. hard work too. Yeah. And so it's easy to glorify guys like Billy Graham who are yeah. at the end of the process right. of the harvesters. Yeah. And so I think the first reaction I had with that was because I look at someone like Billy Graham and, and, and he deserves to be honored because he's a faithful har- harvester and he's an effective harvester and he's committed his life to Jesus in so many different ways. And he's done it at a high integrity. And I mm-hmm. really admire a lot about him. There's a lot about the Jesus that I see inside of him that I would like to have in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. I still want to grow because of it yeah. and learn from his example and his faithfulness. At the same time, I think then I, and I kind of mentioned, I was convicted for two reasons. One, yeah. because I think it was short-sighted one, because I'm not understanding that whole process by being enamored by the harvester. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it was self-centered because there's a line that says that, oh, it's up to Billy Graham to produce the outcomes that mm-hmm. we're seeing that are so exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you follow that line down the road yeah. and eventually it gets to you and says, well, either there's two questions actually that come up. One is, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. What, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I, am I not a good Christian? Am mm-hmm. I not am I not a good servant? Like, am I, am I, am I messing this up? You know? And then the second thing that can come out of that is what if it was me? (laughs) You know, what if it was me? What do I need to do? And then you can almost try to try to pretend like you are Billy Graham. You can start to repeat everything that Billy Graham has done. Right. You know? And I think honestly, we do that a lot in church. We see a pastor or we see a church that has had success with the program and we run over and we go, what did you do? Do a conference. (laughs) And then we take notes and then we try to replicate it. And it's great to learn from one another. But what is the motive? I think is a good question behind all that. Motives are, that's a really interesting concept because nowhere like, in the story of Acts, are we going to see like some of those motives of the twelve? Like you can kind of look at them, and you can even glorify them. Yeah, in the, in the way that in the way that uh, somebody like like Billy Graham might be. Um, I don't know. As as a worship leader, like, and for you as someone who's getting up on stage, you're you're mm-hmm. in the lights. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the lights. I'm I'm like there, and and people don't realize all the time the. You had a quote, right? That was by the 39th time, somebody might give their life to Jesus. That Mm -hmm. doesn't discredit the 38 things that went into that. I think it's the same way for anybody who has any kind of platform is there's a team of people, of stories, of of them waiting tables, so to speak, to even ever get to that that spot. Like the, um, the 12, they weren't just born being the ones that were studying the scripture and teaching and and spreading the word. It's, they were there because they were faithful the whole way. And that's not, don't take that as, um, if you're, if you're faithful with, with all this, then you're going to be up in the lights one day. Or the other way around. Most people don't ask for it. Starting, you're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't ask for it. And 
I don't know, for me personally, and you've probably felt this too, I think a lot of people in ministry feel this, is that we might have some kind of platform, but we don't always feel equipped enough, or we don't always feel like, mm-hmm. like the comparison thing can happen with, you know, I see a worship leader at another church, you might see a speaker at another church. And um, I guess that kind of brings me to a question of like, why do you think God calls us to different roles in different spotlights, so to speak, or to different even positions of influence? Because there's <laughs> multiple members, there's a diversity yes. of callings and ministries, but it's the same body, it's the same Lord, it's the same mission. That's a biblical mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about something that you kind of started to touch on a little bit. Yeah. Because you, you, you talked about like the platform. Yeah. And and I, can I get really real here for a second? Get real. I actually didn't have this question in my notes. This was like happening as we were going. So unscripted. I think that sometimes human nature, Westernized culture, whatever you want to blame it on, something that can be so dangerous is when we create churches or Christianity to be something where we have big churches with small platforms. And what I mean by that is mm. we have a large gathering of people but platforms that are only big enough for a few. Hmm. And, and man, I, it's almost like a dream of mine. What if it was like flipped upside down, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I really believe in the people of God. I believe that if you're listening to this, I absolutely believe that God has placed callings and giftings and passions and connections and resources in your life that are specifically placed there so that God would get praised, so that people would come to know hope and healing in Jesus' name. I absolutely 100% believe that. I wish that we were able to, because we talk about these spotlights and everything, and every time you say spotlight and platform, it makes me cringe Cringe a little bit. It just makes me cringe a little bit. And at the same time, I understand this is kind of what it is in some ways, but man, I I hope that those, any spotlight, I hope it's turned around and shined on others so that they would be empowered and inspired to go and discover what their calling and passion and gifting is and start stepping boldly into it. I hope that when you get up and and lead worship with a song that it encourages people to continue Mm -hmm. worshiping, not just through singing, but through sacrifice, right? Uh, Man, like by giving more of their life to Jesus. I hope that when someone speaks that it doesn't just you know, create a, an atmosphere or some excitement for a moment, but inspires people to really yeah. start to chase after the mission of Jesus mm-hmm. um, in their life, with their life, no matter what it looks like. Mm. Like that's what fires me up more than anything. Yeah. And so as you're kind of, so you, you kept on yeah. talking platform spotlight and I was like, oh, yeah. I hate these so much. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because we actually, I want to get like real practical as we're okay. kind of closing good, good. Because we had a question come in from Whitney Parker. And um, hey, Whitney. She asks, how do we communicate this to people in the community or work or even church? I feel like the wait staff is kind of the folks who are overlooked hmm. and we don't always have this big voice or fancy words to use or even to communicate how and what we do, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. So I think what she's kind of asking is, is how do I take this into the real world? I can live this out, but how do I communicate this way of living? Maybe like give us a sentence if you could sum it up. Like what does this like just really simplify the theme of wait staff worship? Yeah. Well, I think there's two things that come to mind. One is being a servant, really being a servant isn't mm-hmm. transactional. 
-hmm. You don't give so that you have an expectation that you're eventually going to get, right? You're just giving without any expectation of receiving anything in return. Even Jesus talks about that, right? You're, You're willing to serve and give and sacrifice and do whatever it takes, whatever is needed without any expectation of ever receiving any type of credit, any type of return on investment, or even any type of advancement. And that's really hard for us in our day and age. The second thing that I would say is Christianity is much less, uh, I think that we can label it a religion that has to do with a bunch of do's and don'ts and, and all these other things. But really more than anything, Christianity is a movement of loving and life-giving people who bring hope and healing in Jesus' name. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is a movement of people, and movements often get started by masses. It gets started by more than one person. And so it's not just the person with the megaphone. It's also the person that's marching, the person mm-hmm. that's sitting, the person who's um, who's setting an example in the way that they operate their business or the way that they work at their job site or the way that they love their family. And so... I mean, if you're trying to communicate that, I I guess that was a lot more complicated. I'm sorry. (laughs) But um, I guess I would say the big thing is, is a real servant doesn't look to receive on the high, on the back end. They're just giving to give without any expectation. That's good. And you ended your sermon and I'm going to kind of end our time here today with this. You ended your sermon by talking about abundance, money, fame. Yeah. That was never the answer, Mm-mm. and and we can see that um, we can see that example in this passage today, and and that's still true even right now. But what you said, and I love this: serving and seeing what God does is, yeah. And I love the phrase that that you had us all say many times, and Brandon has made us say it many times that I I can't like forget it now, is that when needs get met, God gets praised. Yeah. And those needs get met by us saying, here I am, That's right. send me. And, yeah. and I love that. That phrase is all over the book of Acts. And, and that's what we've been talking about. That's what yeah. we're going to continue to talk about. And so I hope that today um, was just an encouraging conversation to go a little bit deeper than, than we do on Sundays. And I hope it was one that even just stirs your heart to continue Figuring out how you can say, here I am. God wants your availability. This is, you probably have heard this. He wants your availability much more than he's looking for your ability. Mm. He wants you just to be available. Say, here I am. Send me. Yeah. And we'll just see what he does. Killer. All right. All right. Have a great one.